Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Sucker Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Welcome in to another Atlanta Soccer Tonight special covering the Women's World Cup. I'm Jason Longshore, joined by Jessica Charman, and we have seen every team play once in the tournament. We've seen four teams play twice. We're starting to form some stronger opinions about what we've seen so far, but Jess, how have you enjoyed the Women's World Cup thus far? I've absolutely loved it. The time difference has been horrendous. But nonetheless, I've been able to wake up in the morning, catch a few last bits of games and watch a lot of them on delay, if I'm completely honest with you. But take my notes that I made at the beginning of the World Cup and throw them in the trash because I don't think anyone could have predicted the way it's gone. So many of us as pundits talked about how we thought that with this growth of the tournament that we were going to see bigger scorelines. We were going to see, you know, some real mismatch games. And honestly... Yes, there's been one or two higher scorelines. A 6-0 stands out, obviously, with Germany. But other than that, every single match has felt competitive in its own right. And we've even had some upsets. Yeah, I feel like that's the storyline so far in in this tournament is that the debutantes, the the lesser lights, whatever we want to call some of the countries that were big underdogs coming in, their level has improved greatly. And I think the the top teams and the top players have improved as well over the last four, eight, 12 years. But the rise of the baseline of the tournament and that level, that's been the biggest story so far. Every game with just a couple of exceptions has felt extremely competitive. It has indeed. And I remember my big hot take of needing England to go and dominate Haiti to make a statement. Well, I under evaluated how good Haiti were going to be. They came in with an incredible game plan. They understood how to play and the talent level was amazing. I think the biggest difference right now is just exposure to the level of the game and investments from federations because the individual quality is without a doubt there. And now we're getting to see it on the world stage, how so many of these smaller nations, so many of these debutants or underdogs have so much individual quality. And if they see a similar level of investment as we've seen in a lot of nations in Europe in the last four year cycle, the next four years, and I don't want to go too far ahead because this World Cup is going to be incredible, but can you even imagine where we'll be in four years' time if this is a wake-up call to other federations of how much more the women's game needs to be invested in because the talent level is there. They just need to have the belief and the backing behind them from their federations. 
Yeah, it is, it's so exciting where the women's game is and where it will be in another cycle. But there is still growth to happen, I think, for a, a lot of the federations around the world. But there's also these countries that have had a good start to the tournament. Are they going to be able to maintain that in Game 2 and Game 3? We've only seen one group get to Game 2 far. Group A, Switzerland leads it with four points. New Zealand with three. Philippines with three. Norway with one. That's the one of the bigger shocks uh, of the tournament. Philippines got their first win ever in World Cup history. Today, they beat one of the hosts, New Zealand. Switzerland undefeated, win in a draw. And Norway, I mean, that's the headline of Group A to me. Um, and the big story uh, for Norway against Switzerland was Ada Hegeberg ready to start, part of the national anthems, part of the team photo, and then walked down the tunnel came out afterwards that from the Norway team doctor that she sustained a bruised groin during the final sprint in warm-up. That explains a little bit of it with Norway, but they should not be on the bottom of this group. No. Uh, I think when we did our preview, we said that Norway was pretty much a guarantee and then it would be a battle out between the other teams to make it. Mm -hmm. And now they sit bottom of the table. They've just been uninspiring, haven't created many good opportunities, haven't looked like they understand sort of their identity so much and maybe came into it with a little bit of complacency, honestly, which can be easily done when you're the top seeded team within a group and you're looking around at these other underdogs, but those underdogs have stepped up and done a really good job of kind of not caring about their status in terms of ranking and just wanting to play their soccer. Whereas Norway haven't really looked like a side that deserves to get out of the group stages yet. Norway has to play the Philippines in the last group stage game. The Philippines got their win today against New Zealand. Serena Bolden with the header. A lot of power on that header. But mm. as a card-carrying member of the hashtag GK Union, what are your thoughts? Frustration, because I did a podcast last night where I talked about one of my biggest takings from the World Cup so far. I've been in the improvement of female goalkeeping. Uh, one of my pet peeves whenever Women's World Cup took place was how people would always find a way to criticize goalkeepers. And we talked about it after the US game and the penalty statistics and how well goalkeepers were doing in penalties. And I think overall, the level of goalkeeping has improved considerably with the specific training, with the development of the athleticism of goalkeepers. This was a moment, though, that the New Zealand goalkeeper will want back. There was a lot of power on it, but for her to be able to get two big hands on it and it be quite centralized at her, she would have wanted to be able to either push that over the crossbar or even perhaps catch it at second look. So a disappointing one, but for me as a neutral, oh, I think you'd love to see it, don't you? Philippines get The Philippines getting their first goal of World Cup history and to pick up a win. What did you think of the offside though, Jason? I wanted to touch base on that one because it was narrow. It was very, very narrow. It was. I mean, that's why we have the technology that we do with the semi-automated offside. And it's a similar system to the Hawkeye system in that it's going to tell you, is it on or off? So it's offside. It's extremely close. I, I think it might have come down to the ear. Uh, which is a playable body part, by the way. Um, we have seen players accidentally score with their ear before uh, mm -hmm. and the rest of their head. But anyway, um, I think that's what it came down to. And and look, this is something that I think people jumped to some conclusions when IFAB announced that they were going to explore changing the offside law. It is very early in the exploration mm -hmm. phase of this idea that 
we've talked about before, basically flipping where the line is. Right now, if any part of your body is offside, you are off. Flipping it to where if any part of your body is onside, you're, you're good. So basically, you get a body length, essentially. Um, that's going to, I mean, that would give you this goal. It just moves the line. And, and I think now that we're in this new phase of rules and, and adjudication and all of it where we have technology that we've never had before, I think we have to change our expectations a little bit because, yes, it's so close. And if you think about it from back in my day, you know that would have been given because it was so close generally, but not always. It's then just the judgment call of the AR and do they have good eyesight? Was something in their eye? Did they get it right? Now it's right, but it doesn't feel great when that's, and that's pulled it. back. It's a tough one because factually it's correct. It doesn't correct. feel great because lovers of the game want to see goals. I get it. And that's part of the reason why I think they're looking and exploring into changing it to try and increase the level of goals. Let's be honest. Yes. Not every defender or goalkeeper will be happy about that. It feels like a lot of the rules that we change end up favoring the attacking side of the game. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> it's a tough blow that falls against New Zealand, but you're going to see them go the other way. You're going to get narrow calls in your favor. I think the one thing that people should take solace in is with the semi-automated, with the Hawkeye style, factually, it's correct. Mm -hmm. You can have a feeling about it. You can maybe not like the fact that it's correct, but at least you can take solace in the fact that by the letter of the law and by the margins, she had strayed by an ear's length into an yeah. offside position. I like the idea of changing where the line is because it gets you back to that feeling. And, and I mean, I was always told growing up and playing and coaching and, and being around it that if it's close, it's on. Give the advantage to the attacker if, if you're not sure in, in that situation. Well, now that we can draw a line, this kind of gives you that gray area back a little bit. It just actually codifies it in the laws of the game. So we'll see as they get through all this. It's not going to happen next season. It's going to take a while if they decide that's where they want to define it. I think that is the best way rather than I know people have talked about creating like a buffer zone in the Hawkeye system and all these things. No, like the rule is the rule. Let's use the technology to get the calls right. But if we've changed the feel of the game by being able to use technology, then, okay, let's change the laws. I think and that's where we're real at with quick, this. I wanted to touch on one other thing yeah. now that we're talking about referees and rules, though. I am loving having the referees come out and explain yes. on the microphone the rule. And I think that it could go even better when you're in a league where referees are speaking their native language where they can even elaborate further but the referees are doing a top-notch job in a second language for a lot of these referees of explaining the rules and telling it and I think we're seeing better reaction of the players as well in the aftermath of these VAR decisions because there is that level of just honesty and level of hey the, this is why an explanation it's also humanizing the referees a little bit I feel like we're seeing less of an outrage from other people because of the fact that they are able to justify themselves and show them as human beings as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as referees get more comfortable using that tool, they'll use it in game management situations. They'll use it because you can, 
you can explain things with a different tone and that's going to go, I think a long way in terms of maybe calming things down after a possibly controversial call and things like that. So yeah, I'm with you. I think that is a, another great tool for the referees to do their job and, and to get the game called correctly. The technology can be a good thing for them. It's just how they use it. And I think in this tournament so far, it's been pretty good. Um, one more thing on, on Group A, just to, to touch on Switzerland, who was kind of the, okay, yeah, they're there, and nobody was talking about them coming into this. So they lead the group. Uh, they will play New Zealand in the last group stage match day. Norway will play the Philippines. Switzerland, in that win over the Philippines to start the tournament, they had more completed passes, more sequences of 10-plus passes than any team in the tournament so far. They are in the driver's seat. Are they a team that you can see not just getting out of the group, but winning a knockout game? Yeah, I think so if they're able to maintain as organized and have that chemistry that they've shown. What I really liked about that game against the Philippines was the fact that they limited the Philippines to zero shots on target as well which shows how they were using their possession with a purpose to keep the ball away from the Philippines. And I just really enjoy watching their style of play. To not have conceded a goal already in this tournament helps the defensive line grow in confidence and believe in themselves. And when they face tougher oppositions, potentially down the line, they'll be able to feel very confident in the way that they played defensively throughout the tournament, which, as we know, as defensive-minded players, confidence and belief in your system and that chemistry is key to success. Let's move over to Group B. We have one goal in two games in Group B. Australia beat Ireland 1-0 from the penalty spot. Steph Catley and Nigeria and Canada scoreless draw. The next round of games, we'll see Canada play Ireland, Australia play Nigeria. Sam Kerr, uh, just such a loss for Australia. They got the win. They didn't have a single shot on target from open play in that win. How much is Australia in that situation in your mind? And how much of it is the strong defensive side of Ireland? Which one is it Australia's failure or Ireland's strength in your mind? I'm going to sit on the fence and say a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> I think they missed Samka completely anytime. Yeah. I think it was not just the fact that you missed her firepower, you missed her leadership and just her presence. When you have a player that really is your catalyst is your, you know, figurehead of the side. When you don't have her on the field, your confidence drops, your belief drops, and she pulls a lot of the strings with her off-the-ball movement. It was definitely missed for Ireland. The irony is this is a team that came out and was very critical of the Colombians' physicality. <laughs> Ireland was flying in for some very, very good challenges. Um, I loved it. I loved the physicality. Just found it a little bit ironic. Yes, I know there's a difference between a warm-up game and the World Cup play, but I'm pretty sure Ireland was probably flying into some challenges against Colombia too, because you don't just take away that part of your mindset. They were organized uh, in terms of Ireland. They didn't threaten enough going forward until the end. And I think that's where the Irish are frustrated. The couple of Irish friends I have, I've spoken to, and they feel like if they'd have had that mentality from the get-go that we saw in the last 10 minutes or so, when they were throwing bo uh, balls into the box, when they were utilizing their free kicks, had a couple of opportunities against the Australians, if they'd have gone in with that attitude from the first whistle, I think they could have really threatened um, Australia a little bit more. But I think for the Matildas, they are probably banging on Sam Kerr's door for recovery because they don't look like the same side without their talisman.
you brought up that Ireland-Columbia game. I, I will remind everybody that if both teams, depending on where they finish in their group, they could meet in a quarterfinal if they get past the round of 16. And I would pay to see that let's game. Urge Let, let's urge it into existence, please. I want to see the handshakes from the two coaches as well at the very beginning. I think that will be entertaining just as much as the match. Yeah, I need to see that. I think we'll get an answer to Ireland in the next game where they play Canada. Um, Canada was a disappointment to start the tournament. There's just no way around it. They're the defending gold medalists from the Olympics. What what was lacking for them in your mind? Uh, is a better question. What was going right for them? I know that sounds Not very high. I mean, they got a clean sheet. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't give up a goal, so they were good defensively. Yeah, it, it just wasn't there, was it? And then the fact mm -hmm. that you get a penalty and someone that you rely on in Sinclair wasn't able to finish it. And let's be honest, Nigerian's keeper made a very good save. But you have to be able to finish opportunities like that. All the reading I did on Canada coming into this one, a lot of the question marks around this side was where were the goals going to come from? And if you can't find a goal from 12 yards out, that question mark just grows and grows significantly larger over the head of the Canadians. Yeah, I think the biggest thing in this game, as you look at the numbers, the shots were 14-10 Canada. I mean, they didn't dominate the game. They had more of the ball, but they didn't dominate the game in that sense. And out of those 14, only two on target. One of those was from the spot. Nigeria had one shot on target. You know, I, neither team was all that convincing, and you're going to have to see more from them in the next matchup because I thought both Australia and Ireland looked better than Canada and Nigeria. They look more up for the moment would be how I describe it as well uh, in terms of the energy in that first match with Australia and Ireland might help that. It was against the host. The atmosphere absolutely insane in that one. The fan base, yeah. the crowds kind of feed into that energy. But they were just the sharper of the four sides in that group. The one thing that both Nigeria and Canada will take solace in is that they've got those clean sheets, like you say, and they'll go into the next game knowing that they need three points to really put themselves in a position to get out of the group stages. So they both need to elevate. And you brought up the shots on target and it just wasn't good enough or clinical enough from either side. Yes, they created opportunities, but neither side really able to be clinical enough in front of goal, which has actually been quite a common thread. I feel like I've used that word clinical a lot to mm -hmm. talk about different sides in this World Cup, including um, U.S. Women's National Team. And so it's one of those where, you know, uh, you have to bury your opportunities when you're given them because you're not always going to get. 16 17 shots on target like some of these teams had in their first game at the group stages you're not always going to get 46 shots either like spain did as we moved to group c uh they only scored three against costa rica uh full credit to costa rica's goalkeeper in that one it was under siege uh this group had two of the bigger score lines spain winning three nil over costa rica japan winning five nil over zambia I thought the Spanish performance was one of the, the best in the tournament. I, I've said it many times. I'm a little biased. I really like the Spain team. and I like the way that they, they play. I, it feels very different from a number of teams in the tournament. Which game stood out to you more, Spain with the 3-0 or Japan with the 5-0? I actually think Japan with the 5-0 because I thought Zambia was going to have a, a little bit more bite 
to them. Mm -hmm. It it felt very one-sided in that game. And maybe I had underwritten the Japanese a little bit, thinking that they weren't going to be as good as they were in that game. Zambia kind of laid down and died, if I'm completely honest with you. But it's one of those where they didn't show the fight. We talked about Banda a lot. Well, she was able to have an impact in this game. And that's a disappointment for Spain. I think we always thought they were going to be classy in this group. They play a very classy, entertaining, sophisticated style of soccer. And they lived up to the expectations with that 3-0. But you've got to congratulate the Costa Rican goalkeeper because she was flying all over the place to make a difference and try and keep that scoreline respectable. And I think it could have been a very different scoreline for the Spanish if they'd have been able to, you know, drop that goalkeeper's confidence earlier in the match. Yeah, Daniela Solera is the goalkeeper for Costa Rica. Six feet tall, plays for Sporting San Jose in the Costa Rican League. I would imagine she is going to get some calls after that performance against Spain. Ten saves in, in the game. And in a, a game where you're outshot, uh, I, I, I want to say Costa Rica had a shot or two, maybe not more than that. Uh, and 46 for Spain uh, to make 10 saves and, yeah, give up three, but only three. Pretty strong. Speaking of goalkeepers, Zambia, they're down to their third goalkeeper. Uh, Eunice Sakala had an injury to the goalkeeping core, a sending off, and now Eunice Sakala has to go up against Spain in game two in really a must-result game for both Zambia and Costa Rica because they don't play each other in Game 2. Sometimes you know it falls to where two teams that lost in Game 1, they get a chance to build momentum in Game 2. You don't get that here. Costa Rica plays Japan. Zambia plays Spain. It feels like this group is pretty much done and dusted. It's just to see who gets first and who gets second. Yeah, uh, I've learned my lesson to say how confident I am with my statement just based on how some of the scorelines have gone in this Women's World Cup, so I won't put my neck out there completely. But realistically, from what you've seen from Costa Rica and Zambia, I don't think they have enough against the just beauty uh, of the Spanish team and then the finishing power of Japan and both those sides coming in to their game week two with a lot of confidence, with a lot of momentum. And on the flip side, Costa Rica maybe has a little bit more belief because they did do very well, particularly in that second half against Spain. All three goals that they conceded were in the first half. So maybe they feel like they had a very strong second 45 and we'll have some belief there. But for Zambia, that poor third goalkeeper. I know you say you wait all your life for a moment like this and it feels like for her sake, you know, the stars of a line for her to get a World Cup debut. She wouldn't have been expecting to play, but then to look up and your first start in the World Cup to be against... Um, the Spain is a pretty tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's that's a little scary in terms of what you have to face here. Um, I was going to check where Sakala plays um, in the Zambian league. So 21 years old, big ask for Uni Sakala in her World Cup debut. One thing about Japan, um, and this was a great point from Theo Lloyd-Hughes of the, the Squad Depth uh, newsletter, Japan scored five. They actually underperformed their XG by 1.5 in that game. And finishing for Japan was something that was a question coming in. We'll see. Just put that one in your back pocket. But how bad is that for Zambia, too? Think about that from a Zambia perspective. True. True. You're giving up that many quality opportunities. Oh. True. 6.5 XG is pretty high. 
yeah, that's a that's a concern. But maybe they'll be able to restructure and maybe they'll be able to park the bus a little bit. But we know when we looked at Zambia before this tournament that defense wasn't one of their strong points and it's just got a lot harder for them as well. No, Barbara Band is going to have to score a lot of goals in these last two games. Let's move over to Group D. Not a lot of goals in this group either. Denmark with a 1-0 win over China. England with a 1-0 win over Haiti. Uh, Georgia Stanway from the spot. What do you think about the Lionesses? Underwhelmed. Glad that they got the clean sheet. I think that was very important. And they have Mary Ups to thank for that with a couple of very good saves from her. Not clinical enough. Again, I'll use that term, but it's true. Uh, and I thought that Haiti will feel hard done by in a lot of ways that they weren't able to get at least a point in that game. It required a penalty, really, really good penalty. I'm very glad that England women's side are at least very confident from the penalty spot because we know how much trauma penalties in England as a as a hand-in-hand hand go together. But I was impressed with Haiti, honestly, and I think England got a little lucky. And as I say, they need to tap Mary Ups on the back and the only thing I will say that gives me hope in this one is that maybe that was the wake-up call that they needed. I know I talked about the loss to Australia and the uh, prelims being a, a wake-up call, but perhaps this one was the biggest wake-up call they needed that, hey, we got the win. We should feel good about that, but we need to be better because Haiti were good, don't get me wrong, but there's going to be better teams that you play down the line if you make a deep run in this tournament. Denmark will will be one, and that's the next game for England. China plays Haiti. Let's come back to England and Denmark. That China-Haiti game is really interesting to me. I didn't know what to expect from Haiti coming into this tournament, but after seeing their performance against England, do you think they can beat China and have a shot to advance? Yeah, I actually do, because I think they're going to grow in a lot of confidence after that performance. And like I say, they'll feel hard done by and that they deserve more. I think a lot of the quotes I've read from the Haiti national team is that they're proud of how they performed, but they feel like they didn't quite get what they deserved out of it. And China's going to come into this one deflated. I think the fact that when you look at that Denmark versus China game and the fact that Denmark scored very, very late um, on the Chinese it was like a heartbreaking goal. I remember watching it live and thinking, my goodness, they fought so hard and exerted so much energy. And now they've conceded late. Perhaps the Chinese are feeling a little deflated. Uh, I don't think they played badly, though. There were some moments in that China game where they looked very strong and moved the ball nicely. They just weren't able to finish the chances that they created. Yeah, I, I really like the possibility of Haiti knocking off China and having an opportunity against Denmark on the last day to go through I'm just going to pull up the odds really quickly on that one. Um, China's a minus 150, according to our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Haiti is a plus 420. Hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued. You got some apple juice on that one? Uh, I, I Yeah, apple juice is usually my go-to. Um, I don't know if I'll go apple juice. I, I might go like the the apple cranberry mixture. I might okay. go with that. You know, Just a little bit of a step box. down. Yeah, just the, apple juice is, is my go-to out of the juice boxes. That That is the number one choice. I might okay. go one step down below that, but I do really, really like Haiti potentially in that game.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So hashtag not clinical enough. How much does that apply to the United States against Vietnam in Group E? Yeah. It, it does, doesn't it? I think that's where <laughs> that's where it that's where it was invented. Honestly, yes. it was the, it was the quality of the chances that had me pulling my hair out on that one. It really was uh, not just Alex Morgan's underwhelming penalty. I, I want to give credit to the goalkeeper. Obviously, very good save, psyched Morgan out, won the mind game, but it wasn't a very good hit penalty from someone of Morgan's caliber. But I look back at some of the open, clear cut opportunities that were missed. And they weren't good enough. I know Haran eventually got her goal, but I remember one where she just absolutely sit it past the post. Even Rapino came on and wasn't clinical, leaning back. It felt like so many of the shots were like poor body positioning. And I'm not trying to say I could do any better. Uh, I'm not, you know. But when you watch the body positioning of some of these strikes and the way that players were leaning back or off balance, it was just really out of character of this U.S. women's national team side because you expect better in those moments of focus. And I wonder if that was the word. There was maybe a lack of focus in that finishing, taking your eye off the ball at the last minute. And I think Vietnam deserves some credit. They were really pesky in terms of the way they defended. I think that peskiness, persistence, shape, understanding made it difficult for the U.S. to break them down. But if the U.S. was playing on a better day, I could have seen them scoring 5-6 with some of the opportunities that they had. Yeah, Vietnam was was better than I expected. They were very organized. I thought they defended well, um, but they're not at the same level. And, and I think that ultimately showed. I think it also showed that Rose Lavelle is vital for this team being on the field. I think you got to get her to as close to full fitness as you can uh, for a little bit later in the tournament. We talked a lot about it on the post game show on Friday night. Julie Ertz playing in the back. I still have questions about that. Um, it just changes where they were going to be. I was a little worried coming into the tournament about Naomi Gurma, Alana Cook. Now Cook is on the bench. It's Andy Sullivan who is into the team instead in that six role. And 
you know, you just have to see her in those moments. Can Sullivan, Lavelle, and Haran be the midfield trio the U.S. needs? And I guess the the biggest thing coming out of this, because we were wondering who was going to step up in the attack, and with all these different attacking options, who was it going to be? Sophia Smith, I think, answered those questions pretty quickly. And right now, she is, I mean, 90 minutes into the tournament, she is in that running for the golden ball conversation. Yeah, she was incredible. I, I just love the way that she played, the confidence that she played with had this fearlessness about her, didn't seem to be too big of a moment for her, which I think for some of the other US debutants, it did look like the moment was maybe a little bit big for them in terms of their nervousness and their body language. For Smith, she just had this confident swagger about her, finishes two goals, gets a really good assist as well. She's a high quality player. The one concern that you have now for Smith is she's definitely got a target on her back. Every side that mm -hmm. comes in to face the women's national team are going to know that she is a player they have to be stuck on like glue because not only is she able to finish, but she's also able to create as tricky, has that burst of pace. She's got a little bit of everything. And I actually think even with a target on the back, she's going to be so hard to defend because she's so confident in her own ability that she'll almost thrive off knowing that she's one of those players that the opposition wants to watch. Yeah, she's got a swagger about her, or a really good swagger to have. Two players to watch in the next two games for the U.S. Women's National Team. First off, the Dutch 1-0 winners over Portugal. That is the next game on Wednesday for the U.S. We will have a live post-game show on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app Wednesday night at 11 p.m. right as that game is ending. Portugal and Vietnam uh, also play next. For the Dutch, 1-0 uh, win, you know, not uh, an overpowering win, but we talked about it coming into the tournament. Portugal is a really good team for a debuting team in the World Cup. But Dutch, the goalkeeper, is going to be one to watch. Uh, Daphne van Domselaar, 15 clean sheets, conceded six goals in 20 games last season. That earned her a move to Aston Villa. A lot of experts are hyping her up. She only had one save to make against Portugal. She will be tested more against the U.S., but that is absolutely a player if you're looking at the other team. And we know some of these Dutch players, that you know they're missing uh, Miedema. That's going to be an issue for them. But the young goalkeeper, definitely someone to watch in Van Domselaar. And I'm biased, but goalkeepers can win you games. <laughs> if they're able to keep they you in a can. match, if they can keep you locked in, and then you get that one opportunity that your forwards are able to finish, it brings you belief. And against the US, it's going to be so important that the Dutch don't concede early, that they do believe in themselves because we don't know how stingy the US are going to be in opportunities given away. I will say that's an area of concern for me for the US in this one. We haven't seen them really tested too much defensively by Vietnam, if we're completely honest. The Netherlands no. will offer a lot more going forwards. But I think anytime you have a good goalkeeper, your defense feels confidence. It allows your midfielders to step up to get into the attacking third because they feel like their line of defense and goalkeeper are confident behind them. It can be tough, though, when you've got a lot of eyes on you and when you've got a lot of chat about you when you are still extremely young. And hopefully for Van Domselaar, she's able to keep her feet very grounded and be able to show what she can do at this high level. Because like you say, it, she is a Golden Glove contender early on, but she hasn't been able to display what she can do at the international level as of yet in this World Cup. If the U.S. is more clinical, she may be able to display some of that world-class goalkeeping tomorrow. 
What gets interesting for the U.S. is if the other game on Wednesday goes the way you would expect, Portugal beating Vietnam. So if that happens, then Portugal would be on three points. Say the U.S. beats the Netherlands. Uh, okay, that's they're expected to, but let's say that happens. And the U.S. is on six, but they're not clinched because the Dutch would be on three, Portugal would be on three, the U.S. plays Portugal in the last day, the Dutch play Vietnam, which you would expect them to win and get to six. Portugal, yes, it's going to be very interesting. And Portugal's not a team you can just overlook at all. I think we'll get a better sense uh, of maybe what their attacking quality can be against Vietnam. You know, the U.S. has put that marker down of three against Vietnam. Portugal and the Dutch, are they going to be able to put more on the board? And one player to watch for Portugal is Jessica Silva, uh, one of the dribblers of the tournament. And this feels like a game, and we saw it at times from Sophia Smith, feels like a game with Portugal and Vietnam. Like, how is Vietnam going to respond after being so up for that U.S. game? Silva could be a player to watch running at defenders. And I think Vietnam will struggle with that running game. Uh, we saw a lot of diving in, a lot of stabbing, uh, a lot of going to ground and committing free kicks as well. If you've got a tricky, um, tricky dribbler like Silva, I think Portugal could get a lot of opportunities from dead balls as well, which could be interesting if they have the height advantage as well. I don't think Vietnam were particularly great in the air, so that'll be an interesting battle. But I like that this group is staying very alive until the very end. And honestly, with goal differential potentially playing a role, it makes for very exciting matchups in those last two matches in the group stages. And we know as well, seeding, coming out of your group as group number one seed is very important for your path to a final as well. So the US is going to have one eye on making sure that you know, clinching a spot in knockouts isn't quite enough. You want to clinch that number one spot and have a quote unquote easier path to progress. Yeah, I, I just I worry about seeing a Portugal team in game three that will have absolutely nothing to lose, but not just because they're eliminated, but if they pull the magical upset, they could advance and maybe even win the group. Uh, it's just, it's going to be really fascinating. And the U.S. needs to have a better performance against the Dutch on Wednesday night. All right, let's move to Group F. Uh, all about Jamaica in Group F. They get the scoreless draw with France. Brazil wins as expected, 4-0 over Panama. But we got to start with the reggae girls. Just how good were they against France? Brilliant perfect mindset really exciting to watch good game plan France was disappointing I'll, I'll admit that but I think that Jamaica were everything they needed to be I've got a couple of Jamaican friends that were terrified honestly worried just because of the caliber of the player that they have we've got a lot of NCAA players we got Soleil Washington out of high school mm-hmm. in Georgia Chambly getting her debut by the way what an incredible moment that was and I think that these young guns were able to prove themselves on the world stage and again, give a nod to their federation of, hey, this is how much talent we have without the best backing from our federation. Imagine how good we could be if you believe in us. So to pick up their first points, a clean sheet as well, it's remarkable, honestly. And I hope that it gets the attention it deserves because obviously I know a lot of the eyes are on France underperforming, but I think Jamaica played out of their skins as well. It's so interesting that the U.S. has two players from the metro Atlanta area in Emily Sonnet, who played in high school at Fellowship Christian, Kelly O'Hara, who played at Stars Mill. 
Jamaica has two as well <laughs> in Soleil Washington from Shambly and Shayna Matthews, who played at Lovejoy. So it's just the, the reggae girls are kind of Atlanta's team as well. And I'm really like totally bought in. They are going to be missing Bunny Shaw in game two. And that was an awful second yellow card for her to get, not on her, on the referee. I don't think she touched the player and didn't go in recklessly with her challenge. No. It, and honestly, if you're Jamaica, it could be a World Cup ending second yellow card. It could card. be. And, and I don't want to be overdramatic with that, but she is the player you need because a draw is great, but you're going to need goals and you're going to need to get a victory at some point to step up. And you had the opportunity against Panama, but you're going to need goals. Yeah, and, and you're going to have to win that game. And that's absolutely winnable. I would assume Jamaica's favored in that. We'll look at the the odds as we wrap everything up. France, they have to play Brazil next, and they might be done-ish after that game if they don't find some way to change things around. They sent in 44 crosses against Jamaica. They only connected on 11 of them. Yes, Hervé Renard came into this team late in the process. Yes, they've had injuries, but that was a poor performance, and it's not going to get any easier against Brazil, who... I think might have had the best first game performance yeah. in the tournament. Yeah, I would agree with you. I loved watching that game, just the caliber of the soccer. The third goal epitomizes everything about Brazil with the cheeky mm -hmm. little back heels, the flicks, the connection, the chemistry. I made a hot take about Marta, right? And the fact that she was coming back because she felt like she actually had a realistic opportunity for a world cup championship because of the cal caliber of the players that she has around you and you're seeing now why because it seems her speech empowered the next generation of brazilian footballers to come up and play and they have a great quality of experience and youth and they're blending perfectly into a, a great side right now and it was just so exciting to watch them link up and it was one of those moments that third goal like i say where you're just like Wow, how good can this side be? Ari Borges had that third goal, completed the hat trick, first hat trick in the tournament, the youngest for Brazil to ever have a hat trick at a World Cup. I think Brazil was the most impressive so far. Um, we'll see if they can do it against France in game two. Jamaica plays Panama in a really interesting game where Jamaica could get to four points if they beat Panama. And then have a game against Brazil, who could be in. Maybe they let up a little bit. Maybe not. That game could be very interesting with Brazil and Jamaica in Game 3, if Jamaica beats Panama. Let's move to Group G. Sweden came back, the only team to come back in a match. They were 1-0 down to South Africa. They won it in the 90th minute. Italy won their match over Argentina in the 87th minute. This is the Group of Drama, Group G. Argentina plays South Africa next, so the two teams that lost late, they play each other. Sweden and Italy, the two teams that won late, they play each other in Game 2. Sweden's a team that I had making it to the, the semifinals. They didn't start well, but maybe this is a momentum builder for them. And a sign that they have resilience as well, right? It can be hard in a World Cup opener when you concede, when you go down to not let your heads drop, but to be able to fight back and continue fighting, to not settle for a comeback draw, but to make sure you're getting that 90th minute winner shows a lot about this Swedish side. I really like the way this group is drawn, though, with the two teams that had very similar first games in terms of mm -hmm. conceding late. 
getting those heartbreaking losses facing each other, both looking out for revenge. That's going to be a really fascinating matchup between South Africa and Argentina. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by that. I thought Argentina played well against Italy. Italy got the win. Uh, Estefania Banini for Argentina, the most dribbles completed in the tournament so far. Eight in the first game against Italy. You know they're going to try to get her going against South Africa. Italy, good defensive team. They got the clean sheet in game one. Can they bottle up Sweden? You know, we kind of thought Italy might be at the end of their line with this generation and, and making it last time and having a nice run. Maybe they've got a little left in them. One last push, you know, with that mentality, perhaps. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm choking. Give me a... <laughs> we, we, we might need to send in the medic. Oh my God, I was chewing on a pen and oh goodness gracious, I'm not emotional <laughs> about Italy, I promise. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to take a lot of confidence and solace in the fact they got that clean sheet against Sweden and Sweden's going to need to put together 90 minutes uh, of soccer. I think the Swedish will be disappointed with their first half uh, of performance and they know that against Italy that they'll need to put together a full 90 minute performance. If they do, I think they should cruise past Italy. But if they have shaky moments, will they be able to dig deep and find that resilience again to come back if Italy's able to score early in that match? Look, I am maybe most excited in the second round of games about what we will see in Group H, Germany and Colombia. That's going to be Sunday morning at, I think, 5.30 Eastern time. Uh That'll be worth getting up early for. Germany, as we talked about before the tournament, they lost to Zambia at home. Well, they answered some questions with a big 6-0 win over Morocco in Game 1 here at the tournament. Colombia with a really good performance over South Korea, 2-0. And Linda Caicedo is just an unbelievable talent. 18 years old, the only player to score in the last U-17 World Cup the last U-20 World Cup, and the last Senior World Cup for the men's or the women's tournaments. Uh, Caicedo is an incredible talent, just signed with Real Madrid. I think Colombia's got a shot in that game, and I can't wait to see it. I told you, right? I told you the whole of Colombia is talking about Caicedo. Every jersey you see at the moment has Caicedo on the back because she's just so exciting to watch. There was one touch that she had where she like bent her leg up at a weird angle and controlled it with the outside of her boot. She's not afraid to run. And what I love about her role is they give her a lot of freedom to kind of float and pop up everywhere. You see her all over the field, running at players, not afraid to take a shot. We saw that with her goal. Should the goalkeeper have done a little better? Yeah, I think so. But if you don't have that confidence to take that shot, then you, you don't score. But I thought what impressed me most about Colombia was how organized they looked defensively as well. Their goalkeeper had a couple of very good saves for Colombia as well to keep the clean sheet. And they'll feel very confident coming into this one. Germany's going to be another step up, let's be honest. They're feeling very good about themselves with their 6-0 victory. Pop was looking great. Obviously, she missed the Euro final against England, and I'm pretty mm -hmm. glad about that, having seen the finishing that she produced in this match. But it could be a very interesting battle because Colombia, for me, has that right combination of physicality, a little bit of chippiness, but also the quality of the possessional play that they're able to create, the creativeness, and then the individual talent that can pop up. 
I think that Germany might well be overlooking the Colombians. And if they watched and prepped from last night, they shouldn't be. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by that game in, in a big way on Sunday morning. The two teams that lost in, in this group, they play one another, South Korea, Morocco. Really an elimination game for them. Uh, somebody has to win that to have a shot going into the last group stage day. Uh, I would assume that would be South Korea, not just because of the scoreline, but I, I just think they're a little bit stronger team. Morocco in their first tournament, amazing run to get here, but it, it feels like it's a little bit too much. Yeah, just that jump right now. You're seeing the difference between a debutante side and Germany, a powerhouse in the women's game, right? And I think that South Korea showed more against Colombia than Morocco was able to do against Germany. I think that South Korea will be looking to try and score goals. And again, they conceded a penalty and a goalkeeping error in terms of the two goals against Colombia. If you want to be harsh about it, they'll be wanting to make sure that they are able to defend better and give themselves an opportunity on the attacking side of the ball to create opportunities against Morocco. All right, let's play uh, fun with juice boxes to close out this show. So we're going to go through the next games coming up in the tournament and just see if anything jumps out here with with some of the numbers. Uh, Japan, big favorite over Costa Rica. That's the next game on the board. Uh, Minus 1250 for Japan. Costa Rica is a plus 2200. Feels about right. Nothing really shocking there after what we saw in game ones. Uh, Spain is one of the biggest favorites I've seen, period, in a game. Uh, minus 7,000 for Spain. Uh, <laughs> Zambia is a plus 6,500. The draw Ooh. is plus 3,600. Uh, I feel bad, but it's, yeah. it, it is what it is, right? When you lose 5-0 in your previous game and you're down to your third string goalkeeper and you have a coach that says, hey, I know we don't defend very well. And it's kind of one of those where it is what it is, right? I'm hoping it's not as big of a blowout as on paper it could possibly turn out to be. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, 8 a.m., Canada and Ireland. Canada is a pretty sizable favorite here. Minus 160. Mm -hmm. The draw is plus 260. Ireland winning plus 600. I like the draw. I I like the draw because I'm not sure. I don't know if Canada is going to score. And and I mean, the Irish might be able to score, but I would go with a nil-nil draw if I'm honest. That's what's jumping out to me in this one. Another nil-nil draw. The U.S. minus 150 against the Netherlands. The draw is plus 250. The Dutch are plus 440 to win. Feels about right. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit more of a little bit more on the U.S. than I think maybe there should be, but not by a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think maybe a little closer together. I still think yeah. the U.S. are favorites going into it, but I think you are kind of banking a little bit too much against the Netherlands in this one. Yeah. I agree. Portugal, big favorite, minus 1250. Uh, Vietnam is plus 1800 to win. The draw is plus 1000. That feels right with what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Australia, minus 260 against Nigeria, plus 340 on the draw, plus 750 on the win for Nigeria. I'm not 100% convinced by Australia without Sam Kerr, but I'm also not touching that one. Not, not, not even getting anywhere um, near that. No. Home field advantage goes a very long way, uh, I feel yeah. like, for Australia. And yes, you're missing Kerr, but I think you've learned a lot about playing without Kerr for 90 minutes and that you're 90 minutes in without Kerr and you're going to have to do another 90. You know that. Yeah. Argentina minus 110 against South Africa on Thursday night. Draw plus 220. The South African win is plus 330. Hmm. 
that's a little bit of a toss-up. Uh, that game, I, I'm I'm intrigued by. I do want to see Benini play. She was one that I, I loved in the last tournament. I just, you know me, I'm a Levini player who is all about the dribble. So uh, Benini should be a fun one to watch there. Uh, there's an update as we've been going through these. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, everything's updated in, in real time. Maybe they knew this was the next game that we were going to talk about. England and Denmark, uh, Friday, 4.30 a.m. England, a minus 280 to win. The draw is plus 340. Denmark to win plus 800. And England oh, became a oh, bigger favorite oh. since we've been talking. Don't do it to me. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I feel like every time I get overconfident. I mean, let's be honest here. England are the reigning European champions. And they do have a lot of quality on the pitch. But I think we missed Beth Mead. And I think we really missed Leah Williamson as well. So hopefully it's one of those where you've adjusted better after 90 minutes under your belt. And you realize that you have to up your level. But I don't think you should be writing off their mark completely in this one because my biggest fear for England right now is where are your goals coming from? You know, you can list strikers that they're missing, Frank Kirby, all of these players that are injured. And as we know, if a game stays at nil-nil a long time, it allows Denmark an opportunity to perhaps find a goal from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Here's one that I do really like. China minus 150, the draw plus 270 against Haiti. This is a Friday 7 a.m. game. Haiti plus 420. I really like that number. I really like Haiti getting a win against China. Oh, you got to, right? You've got to. You've got to root for the underdog, so to say. And honestly, I don't know if the odd makers watched that game against England and how they really gave England a run for their money. And I, like I said, the quality of the goalkeeping for Earps on that one-on-one where she had to make the big kick save. Not every goalkeeper in this tournament has the ability make, to make saves like that. I think that Haiti will be brimming with confidence and want to go out there and prove what they can do. Sweden minus 145 against Italy. This is Saturday, 3.30 a.m. Plus 250 on the draw. Italy plus 410 to win. Feels about right. That's That's where that game is to me. This one's fascinating. France and Brazil, Saturday, 6 a.m., toss-up. France is plus 160 to win. The draw is plus 210. Brazil is plus 170 to win. That feels like you're stealing money. Brazil all day long. Yeah. I Again, maybe the mindset of the odd setters is that France is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder and know maybe. the importance of this game. But Brazil just looked so good. And they almost looked towards the end like they were in cruise control. It didn't feel like they had to exert a lot of energy. They'll feel pretty fresh and ready to go against France. I think it should be a confident win for Brazil unless France is able to somehow change the way they played in their identity. Because I, I think the word you used was overpredictable for the French side. And I think Brazil, mm-hmm. if they do not switch things up for France, Brazil will not have any trouble handling the French's one-dimensional attack. Yeah, I am all in on Brazil in that game. Jamaica, big favorite over Panama, minus 160, draw plus 250, Panama plus 500, seems about right. South Korea, minus 210 in their match with Morocco, the draw plus 300, Morocco plus 550. Yeah, again, feels about right with what we were saying about that game coming in. Switzerland, New Zealand in game three, you get a little bit of an overlap with the way that the schedule works out here. So Switzerland, New Zealand, Switzerland plus 105. Draw plus 220, New Zealand plus 270. Ah, I'd love to see the host get through, but I do kind of agree with the odds makers there. I think Switzerland's going to get that win. Yeah, 
I do too. Honestly, I don't think they've shown quite enough in their two in their game so far to really show that they are going to be able to power through the Swiss. The stats that you talked about in terms of their possessional passing, in terms of their ability to connect, I think they'll just be able to move the ball around and New Zealand won't quite have enough. The other game's a little interesting, and the injury to Ada Hegeberg, uh, maybe not reflected in these odds, but also you're talking about a big favorite and a big underdog. Norway and the Philippines, it's also Sunday at 3 a.m., last game in the group stage, going to happen at the same time as Switzerland and New Zealand. Norway minus 650, the draw plus 550, the Philippines plus 1600. I loved the upset today, but that feels a little too uh, rich for my juice box cooler. I don't think I could go on the Philippines on that one, but I don't really believe in Norway either. You would love it, wouldn't you? It would be an amazing result for football and, and for the underdog and for the story of the Philippines. But do they have two upsets in them? And are they going to be able to hang on defensively? Is this the game that Norway comes to life? I also wonder from a Norwegian perspective, are you really going to be comfortable with the two results that you've had so far in this tournament? You've got to find more from somewhere, surely. There's one game left on the board, and this is, in my opinion, your upset play of this round. Germany and Colombia, 5.30 on Sunday. Germany, minus 600 to win. Colombia to draw, plus 500. Colombia to win, plus 1,600. It's quite juicy. It's quite juicy. Oh, I am. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying I'm running anywhere that I could put some juice boxes, but I will say that. I might be walking. <laughs> if Colombia is able to play the way that they did last night, and if they're able to be able to stay defensively disciplined, anything can happen with their forward force power. They're number nine as well. Um, is it, was me? I forget her first, but she is so good at holding up the ball as well. And I wonder mm -hmm. with that second dimensional play to be able to have a true number nine holding up the ball and linking up with Caicedo, they could be deadly. I'm, I'm picking Columbia. I, I'm going with the underdog. I'm bought in. Um, I can't wait to see that game. That's going to be a fun one. I don't know if I'm bought in enough. To Remember that being my dark horse at the tournament? Remember me saying that? That was my uh, hot take. I remember. I remember. I remember. And if they beat Germany, uh, they're not going to be a dark horse any longer. And everybody around the world will know about Linda Caicedo if they beat Germany because I think she's going to have to have a big, big day to pull that one off. It's going to be fun. Uh, that takes us through the games on Sunday. That gets everybody a second game and group a will finish before Germany and Columbia play. So we'll have one group in the books. We are going to uh, attempt to get another kind of recap pod as we're trying to get after rounds of games Sunday before the, the third game start. Uh, stay tuned on that. We do know that we will have a live show after the U.S. Women's National Team game on Wednesday night tomorrow when they play the Netherlands. That game kicks off at 9. You can watch it on Fox, and you can listen to us on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app to talk about everything that happened at 11. It's been a lot of fun so far through one game for everybody in this tournament. Now things get a little more interesting as we've got some storylines and, and things to work with. I can't wait to see it. 
Um, Columbia is my upset play. Is there anything that jumps out to you in terms of an upset play for this next round of games? Oh, I I don't know if Canada's got it in them, Jason. I I think Canada might struggle, and I'm gonna go with with Canada crashing and burning in this tournament. Oh, the Canadians are gonna be very upset with you. I can love Canadians, but I can be very disappointed in the way that they played. And that penalty miss, I don't know why I keep coming back to it. I had this feeling when that penalty was missed that this is like the downward spiral Mm -hmm. for Canada. So you were thinking draw in that game. Are you going all in on the Irish? Let's do it. Let's do it, right? There we go. (laughs) All right. I like it. I like it. So you've got the Irish as the upset special in this round. I've got Columbia. We will compare notes and see how it all turns out. Next time, we are with you in a group stage recap pod, but we'll be talking to you tomorrow night about the U.S. and the Netherlands. Thanks for hanging out with us on Off the Woodwork. We will be back tomorrow. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.